can we just say this? Like this is he's created his ideal world. This is what his ideal world looks like. I'm like, you know, wow. sometimes not everybody's dreams should come true, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. This is probably not the best idea. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Well, they'll probably come back quite soon because they're out front. I mean, they're outdoors. Yeah, hopefully. We're just talking about the Renfair kids. Ah. <laughs> hey, welcome hopefully to Horror Movie Survival back. Guide. What, <laughs> you know, what, what could introduce horrors of malinformed men better than the Renfair? Uh, this movie is from 1969. The title of this episode is Have I Gone Insane? And welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We could yeah. welcome people too. Uh, I'm I did, Terry. didn't I? No, we skipped right over that. It's okay. okay. We just talked about the Renfair. And this is... Uh, or a movie survival guide. I'm Julia. Uh, so this movie uh, from 1969 from Japan uh, is based on the novel by Rampo Edagawa. Uh, the movie was written by Teruo Ishii and Masahiro Kakefune and is directed also by Teruo Ishii. So it, the novel was called The Collected Tales of Edagawa Rampo. So that's where it comes from. Um, this movie already grossed me out from credits. Just spiders. Just close-ups of spiders. I, honestly, in my notes, Julia, I wrote spiders. Julia's favorite, I bet. Like, that's yeah. the first thing I wrote. And I was just like, oh, no. It's already Julia's, like, Achilles heel at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, Julia hates a spider. And I don't want to look at one close-up ever in my life again if I don't have to. And it's just so many. Just real close-up through the whole they credits. Just, just like, different vignettes right. of... They move beautifully for something with that many legs. I think they're very agile and gorgeous. And like, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I think they're really pretty. So I like them. I like to decorate with them for, you know, spooky times. But Julia, no, not so much. Uh, we open this movie within the first minute we have uh, tits uh, already, like right off the bat. But they're not fun tits. They're they're insane asylum tits, which are, which are always like. Ugh. But they're also like art house tits. I was like, yes. oh, this is nice because this is like. I just felt like, oh, we're in some weird abstract, you know, kind of vision already. And I was here for it. I love like kind of like Robert Wilson kind of like an avant-garde theater vibe of it mm -hmm. of the 60s. And this is giving me all of that in the first moment here in this gray, unusual room in 1925. And yeah, insane asylum tits. Yeah, and there's a lot of them, and it's just kind of women, you know, and he's, there's a man standing looking kind of befuddled in the middle of this room full of women who are, you know, doing various things of insanity. Gyrations and motions and like dancing around with a knife and you see this woman coming at him with a knife and you're like, oh, okay. Um, and it really does look like a, like I said, a beautifully kind of choreographed, um, you know, art, art moment, but also dangerous as hell, like. Why are they gyrating like this? Like, why is he confused? Why is he in this room with all this, these women? Mm -hmm. It feels like everything is off. 
Like everything. Yeah. And they just throw you in. Like that's how you begin. You're like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to like unsolve a mystery here because clearly he doesn't know what's going on. So what is happening? So he uh, is taken out of the women's cell and and, uh, reprimanded for being in the women's cell, taken to his cell and thrown in. uh, And he's saying, I'm not insane. I was studying to be a doctor. Have I gone insane? And I guess you would wake up in there if you like, that's your first moment of consciousness. You'd be like, oh, I must be insane. Am I? I don't remember being insane. And also some of it you wonder, like, is it staged? Because they show one of the knives you realize that that she'd been like one of the girls had been taunting him with is a stage knife. And she shows like, oh, it just pops in and out like a stage knife. I was like, oh, okay. So are they giving them like props to make a play or like, is he just some, are they, you know, faking this around him? So everything is in question. You can't tell whether it's his mind it's one of those ones there. It's like, is it your own mind making the world around you a, a, a hot mess or is it you? So um, unclear. Uh, he has uh, these kind of visions when he's in his cell. And this is, you know, I love the art house feel of this movie. And this is the first moment you have this beautiful beach with with uh, waves crashing up on these rocks. Uh, but then a gentleman long dark hair in a white robe with like big sleeves just moving really unnaturally on the beach uh, why are you looking all sexy terry is it i don't know what, i find him so hot okay that's so, so weird he's so creepy. i know he's so you know i know he's super creepy but he also like very sexy it's just very like you know what it is it reminds me of like hard rock shows you know like in the before times like in the early like you know, 90s or whatever, you go see somebody who like does something crazy on a stage and he looks kind of like vaguely like Jesus, which is also always kind of like tantalizing in the weirdest way. (laughs) And, you know, and he kind of looks like like hot Asian Jesus on a rock. You know what I mean, though? Like and he's literally dancing while crashing waves are behind him. It reminds me a little bit. You remember the Breaking the Girl video by Red Hot Chili Peppers? Uh -uh. Anyway, look it up, kids. Julie's like, no, I got nothing on that. I watched, that's one of my favorite songs of theirs and one of my favorite videos. And it looks kind of like that, where it's like they're on these rocks gyrating in like a, like a otherworldly motion and you're getting all that. And then you look at his hands and they look like there's like some sort of like webbing in between them, like, and this white, like long sleeves. So I was intrigued by the costumes right away and how beautiful everything looks, but also with the crashing of the waves behind him and the lighting and everything too. So Yes, you know that. Okay, all right. That's not a word I would have ever used to uh, describe this sequence, but I love that you do. Uh, he also has a vision of a really beautiful maiden who is two faced. What? What have you written? She's showing me her notes. He's also really hot. That's what she wrote in her notes. Okay, I love you. That's okay. Um, Some, something yeah. for everyone, right? So uh, yes, he sees a two faced maiden who has an ugly, like a pretty face, but then also when it turns around, like an ugly, monstrous kind of face, and he keeps hearing this lullaby over and over. Uh, that's and so he's definitely seems insane. Uh, yeah, Hitomi does not seem like he's with it. Um, but um, but also like it could be a weird dream or a nightmare too, because this this lullaby that lulls him in the night and seeing these visions do you all feel like just like a weird, bad nightmare to him too. So it mm-hmm. could just be that we're like, we have weird dreams and nightmares sometimes. So right. It's, and it's, it's, it's a, a great cool way to, you know, to throw the viewer in with this character and we have to kind of decipher with him what kind of situation we're in. Is he dreaming? Is he crazy? What is, you know, is he, he's here against his will, but what is the deal? Like he last thing he remembers is being a doctor and like, here he is. 
So there's a woman, there's a, a bald man who keeps staring at him from another cell that he becomes kind of obsessed with. And this man uh, breaks into his room and they start to have a fight and he ends up killing this bald man, which now uh, lets him, but he, now he's out. Now the cell door is open. Yeah. And he's on the lamb a little bit, but he's, he's not moving super fast, but he's out there, you know, going around and he, and he finds, um, yeah, 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 and he finds a, a woman, a random woman who's singing this song that he's been hearing. That's I, I want to call it like a, a Japanese sea shanty for better, yeah. better words. You know what I mean? Because it's like this like tale, you know, of of the ocean and 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 all this stuff too. And we find out that she's the child of a magician and she seems magical. So that's where you're like, oh, that explains your kind of quality of mov- mo- movement and motion and how you've magically appeared in my day today, lady. So yes, um, and she's like with the circus somehow. Uh, and she, so he asks her where she knows that song from. And she says, you know, she was, she was with the circus since she was very young. So she doesn't know, but she thinks it's from where she was born, which is a regional song from uh, near the sea of Japan coastline. Yeah. Regional sea, sea shanty song. I was what, like, a cool, yes. what a cool like device to build your film around. Like I'm going to find the origin of this song because it holds the key to something. Well, also, if you don't know where you're from, you know, that and that's the closest, the biggest clue you've gotten. It's like, oh, OK, well, at least I can pinpoint the region that I should understand because this song, it courses through my veins and I hear it and I can't stop. And it's just like all like episodic memory over and over and over for him. Um, and then we cut to um, a circus moment. Um, all of a sudden, we're like, OK, there's uh, elephants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden everything seems to be, it's all, but it's all, you know, kind of chaotic and not really fun seeming. Uh, and then all of a sudden she is stabbed and he's, but he has a beard all of a sudden you're like, wait, okay. Did, was this the next day? I was like, he couldn't have just grown a beard overnight. So the timeline now is like, what is time as well? Yeah. So we've jumped forward somewhat. We don't know what's been happening in between there, but yeah, it just, it's just like the knife appears out of nowhere and she's stabbed. And so he's like, Oh, what grabs her grabs the knife. And then all of a sudden it looks like he killed her when he didn't. But now that means he has to be on the run. So he has, uh, there's a picture of him in the paper. So people know what they are like looking for him. Uh, and he's trying really hard to get back to the sea of Japan so he can find out where he's from. And he, they say that he is dead. So now they he has this kind of, okay, great. He's got this freedom now where they think, okay, well, they're not really looking for him because he's dead. But then now uh, there's a ghost to find the Komodo family on this island near the, or this coastline near the Sea of Japan. Yeah. And so um, he's on, on, a, on a mission and he's riding this train and like sees, you know, this crazy image of, of himself in the paper. And it's like, wait, but I'm right here. Also with the crazy eye patch and like all kinds of strangeness is happening. So you got to figure it out. Um, yeah. So, so it's this kind of question of, a, it seems there's a doppelganger now involved into this movie. So it's just going on this other crazy level. So he goes, he finds out, uh, he gets a, a massage and he's finding out like about the family from the masseuse. This very strange masseuse. Well, it's getting intel, you know, like yes. you go, this is, this is like, you I don't know. Bartender. But here we have, you know, yeah, or the it's detec- yes, it's detective 101. You got to go to uh, somebody who's in the service industry who's got the ears on the family. Right. And and what's happening. And the, the, the masseuse would definitely have that. Um, and she also, you know, um, notices he's got the same um, scar. He's got this 
scar on his foot that looks like a like a swastika or something that's like um that he has on the sole that- of his left foot and they say okay so the 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 son of this komodo family komoda family was also had this exact same scar in the exact same place uh and so but he also they you know gives him little clues about like he had bad eyesight and you know like things that are going to come in kind of handy so they talk about his dad who left uh is a hermit and lives on an island. Uh, and when uh, the, so they went and now they have the family who's on the coastline and now the dad is in this island. They're like, he's creating, creating a fairy tale land or something. Nobody really knows. No one goes in, no one goes out, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, but it is that like, and the, and everyone's forbidden to go there. They, he's like, I don't want any visitors. I don't want anyone to ruin it. I, not till it's done. Will he come back and, and get people basically? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a big sense of secrecy about what's happening out there. Um, and what's really happening with their, with the fortune, who knows what's going on with his family, how, how they're making money, what they're doing. Um, if it's just old money, whatever it is. Um, but he also just wants to figure out his origin. Like, okay, like, so he's going to infiltrate the family. Right. So this, yeah, I, I, he goes it, to it's, places. It's, yeah. It's one of the, it's one of those plans that I'm like, this plan, maybe not the best plan. Maybe you should have just been straightforward and be like, I'm a doppelganger of your husband and I don't really know why, but here we are. But this is not the plan he, he tries to, because he's also just escaped from like a mental institution. And so like clearly not mentally doing well it seems like a poor plan and it turns out to be a poor plan but we'll get to this poor plan <laughs> so his plan is like he watches I mean, what his wrong though if you what? go and switch yourself with a dead person and like switch your under his funeral clothes and then look like you're a lazarus and resuscitate yourself to people yeah that's not gonna it that's not gonna fine. go wrong at all and it, so it's we have this sequence of he goes to the to the um summit he watches his, his his own funeral procession in a way um and then goes to steal his bought the clothes of the corpse so he can switch places and pretend he's come back to life but, but clocks everybody like perfectly from the description of the masseuse he's yes. like okay that's the that's the wife okay and that's the mistress and like that's that's you know he like knows who everybody is in the household yeah. i was like how do you already know each person i mean i know she told you who they were but how do you how are you clocking them so clearly and easily that uh, i was like perplexed perceptive dude mm-hmm. um but the, we have this sequence which i feel like is so out of place in this film where we have this wacky monk duo that comes in that are like running the the cemetery that i was like what what is happening it's They're the worst Prince and guildenstein the right? worst bald cap i have ever seen ever both of them. Both of them. It's just, it's hilarious. It's great, though. Rosencrantz and Gilderson are dead. And yeah. they're, I mean, you know, you have to have the guys at the grave who are right. the idiots, right? And, like, these are the idiot priests that are hilarious. A little bit of comic relief for for your this insane uh, ride. Um, I got and- kind of like a Weekend at Bernie's-esque because they got, like, the dead body that they're moving around and it's, like, flopping on people and stuff. And it got real, real wacky. But also didn't tell his friend, the, the first priest, that the guys, you know, like, who, who what it is. Like, oh, this is actually what we need to do. Like, he's actually alive. Like, he didn't tell him. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need, I need a piggyback. He pretends to be the dead guy and, like, directs the priest to carry him in this little, like, very, like, vaudevillian kind of little ruse. It's, it's a fun moment, actually. And then we just, like, snap back 
into like a whole nother vibe because he gets taken back to his family home and is like, hey, not dead, <laughs> not dead. Yeah, they're like miraculous resurrection and they have like the, you know, um, uh, the doctor will come in like an examine and be like, okay, well, I guess we called it too early or something or, but he's, he, yeah, he's fine. And he's got the scar on the foot to prove that it's mm -hmm. him. So everything seems fine. But now he's in this situation where he has to interact with all of these people. He has no knowledge of this person's personality or who how he felt about anybody or what the relationship with is with everybody um so he's he does learning all, he, on the job yeah it takes a lot of time uh wandering the house at night and spying on people to kind of like see what their deal is my favorite the eavesdrop yeah this scene uh is brief but he like opens he like peeks in the room and there's the, there's three maids and they're all snuggled up in the bed together and one of them puts the thigh over the other one and she's like smacks her on the thigh and i was like well what's happening in the maid's room yeah oh, she's damn. like get to it i'm like Okay. Okay. Damn though. This house is rocking. Um, don't come a knocking. So yeah, um, it's pretty great. I mean, but he's also like trying to like get, like you said, get intel on, on like what he's about. And he learns a lot from the nurse um, who had, who had helped raise, um, to raise the original master of, of the house and, um, you know, and, and listening to her, her tales and stories. And he figures out too, that like he was left-handed and like all this other stuff. So he's like fixing stuff along the way. He's like, Oh, he's left-handed. He has bad eyesight. Okay. So I need to put on the glasses when I do things and I need to, you know, try to like attempt to use these chopsticks with my left hand and like all these stuff he's really bad at. Right. But also they can count it off to like, Oh, you came back from the dead. You're a little, little funky. So you can kind of write it off a little bit because they're just so happy to have him back. Um, and the dog, like their family dog, like, comes to attack him because they know that he knows the dog knows that it's not him, um, and he's still like recovering, fr recovering from his his deadness, um, his, his his own death. He finds yeah. out uh, he was having an affair with the maid. Uh, with Chiyoko. Yeah, yeah, she's now okay. Now in the middle of this. Oh, Shizuku. Uh, sorry, Shizuku's the maid, and Chiyoko's the wife. Yes, yeah. the wife also is like, "Why aren't you touching me? I want you to have sex with me, basically." And, and like yeah, both I, of the ladies, like, "You seem like a different person. Why are you not?" And he's like, "What am like, I why doing?" Are you into me right now, and he's like, "I guess I got to get into both these ladies real quick." <laughs> yeah, but he also says, "You know, like, how do you fool someone like that? Because they're gonna know their what their lover does and what they like, and the, like he doesn't know knows nothing." So it's he's put himself such a precarious situation and it's all kind of crumbling, but he feels like he is making progress and getting closer to the crux of like who he is and where he's coming from. Um, so he's got ladies all over him and tits aplenty. This this director clearly a big fan of uh chess, ladies' chess. There's a lot of lot of I'm that. not mad, honestly. I really no. enjoyed this part of the movie. So um Shizuku are <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um the maid uh is um Actually, a couple of maids are in the bath together. I was yeah. like, okay. It's Again. a small bath, too. It's, it's like smaller yeah. than Ameri like an American bath, like tiny. No, it's like a little barrel. It's like a trash barrel size. You know what I mean? They're like a couple of ladies in there. I'm just like, oh, in this cute little wooden bath. But inside the bathroom, there are all of a sudden motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, they are creepy looking poisonous snakes that are look like they're about to pounce. And they look like they've been set there while the ladies were in the bath. And they are freaking out trying to get out of there so um hitomi has to come and like knock bash those like they bash those snakes in and get rid of them and and uh the people start talking saying that the house is cursed and something is very wrong here yes and then uh both uh, shizuko and kyoko get letters uh in in very nefarious looking red ink and and says you know basically like you we know what you i know what you're doing you're being watched 
No, so in now- full detail about their lives. Like it's yeah, like yeah. you got a letter of someone who's like had a camera in your room. That's what the, the equivalent of what these notes are. So they're the like, okay. Details are so precise. There's no way mm-hmm. they can know them unless they've been watching. And so they start freaking out too because it's like, okay, well, someone's in here. And we get little glimpses here and there now too of like these strange looking faces and like kind of creepy like man faces um, that are, you know, as we talked about, Hitomi's been wandering around the house at night. You get glimpses of of this um, as well. And there's a servant as well too. You start like, he seems a little sus. He doesn't seem like the best servant. And also like, he doesn't seem like he belongs there. And he's also new. So... He doesn't have the same baggage as Hitomi, but he also is also trying to figure out what the heck is going on. So we've got multiple investigations happening at the same time. Um, And then all of a sudden uh, we have a scene of Chiyoko and Hitomi in bed together sleeping. And then all of a sudden Chiyoko has blood that starts coming out of her mouth and she starts like choking. And all of a sudden you're like, well, what happened? She was just laying there. And yeah, it looks like she was like having a stroke or something or something bad happened to her. She got poisoned. Something happened where she's just dead. So she's taken out of the picture. Bodies are starting to pile up. Uh, he hears the wet nurse singing the lullaby and says that he w- comes up to talk to her, says he wants to go to the infamous island to see his crazy dad. Mm-hmm. So th- this movie so far, I was like, okay, I'm on board. It's, you know, it's kind of not what I expected, but we're, you know, we're, we're, it's interesting. And, I, and then it got to this island sequence and I was like, what the fuck? This movie just got ratcheted up like a billion notches and went insane. It's so like the first thing you see is like women who are all on leashes, naked and blind and getting whipped. And then there's like women playing who are painted silver. And then there's women who have like sheep coming out of their vaginas and they're all bloody. This is when the acid kicks in. This is when like, you know, like about, you know, 30 minutes in where like the drugs get real good, you guys. Like that kind of mayhem. It is bananas. It's everything. It, it it's actually everything. reminded me of Jodorowsky quite a bit. Like that kind of art house insanity yeah. where it's very beautiful, but also very disturbing. Can I, I also love- just mention there is a dance number, uh, a crazy dance number. And I am of the opinion every movie's better with the dance number. Every movie, literally everyone. I'm with you on that, Julia. I appreciate it. There was a dance movie last week in Frontiers too. Those ladies like kind of danced for him. There was a little dancing. Every movie, they need it. Um, And but I also love their ride out to the island. They're on this little boat, and I was like, why does this feel like a Wes Anderson movie all of a sudden? And then it just flipped to like Jodorowsky as soon as they got to the island. And it's like because the way the boat is, I was like, we're in Life Aquatic all of a sudden. Like the way this boat is set up, it's like three people on the boat just looking like they're going to their death you're like oh you're never you don't leave the island like no one else has left the island he's already been warned no one leaves the island we already know that he's got some bad luck so far like nothing has gone the way he's wanted it to go so i was like this is just literally like a, a suicide mission that they're going on but their eyes are open that servant guy who the new servant guy is helping drive the boat out there is like oh no like how did he get roped into this? He shouldn't have even had to go on this this thing, but yeah. he's the new guy, so he's got to go. And um, we get my beautiful man dancing on those rocks out there and, like, yep. welcoming them to the island. And it does feel like um, hair, you know, <laughs> like, all of a sudden, like, that kind of, yeah. like, loving. I, I was really delighted, like, astounded. And, and like, what the, I wrote, what the fuck, in my notes, like, three times. And I was like, what is happening? But also, <laughs> I was very happy because Horrors of Mal- Malformed Men is a terrific title, but a big title to live up to. 
and it hit this bit and I was like, oh, okay, okay, this movie lives up to it. Okay, I can say yes, horrors of malformed men, uh, quite. And we meet uh, the pretty maiden that he had seen before, the two-headed maiden who he's find out is like um so basically uh his dad is doing like a dr moreau kind of thing and just like sewing people together as he wants to and creating and kind in of- different shapes like he's very he just wants to he himself is is not um he's a little bit deformed or malformed in his own right and he's got he's, he has webbed hands but he's also got kind of a little bit of a hunchback and you realize oh that's part of why some of his quality of movement is a little different um and so he had a vision he's just like i've had a vision for this island and i'm working on making it it's almost complete um this is his ideal island by the way can we just say this like this is he's created his ideal world this is what his ideal world looks like like, you know, wow. sometimes not everybody's dreams should come true, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. This is probably not the best idea. Uh, and, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt so many people like he yeah, and, so, and he's not yeah. treating them as, as, as equals or anything. They're his basically his slaves. So I guess, you know, some people that's ideal to have. Yeah. That's and even not- and even from the intro, I mean, like some of it, I was like, oh, that's kind of hot, too. Like he has like, you know, the ladies on leashes and, you know, stuff like that who are like, you know, coming down like kind of kind of sauntering sexily like over a cliff you know and like there's a lot of really beautiful imagery that he's creating and I get like okay if this is like your fever dream yes like you could make these things but you could also do this stuff safely without like actually deforming and like you know hurting people um and doing like looking like he's doing surgeries without anesthesia or so, or something you know what i mean they be these people it's is also a very frontiers-esque right where you have this kind of family just like oh let's just like mess around with people like their toys and you're like yeah, can you not do it's that just please? what we do so he takes them further on a tour of the island and like on this little boat and we've got like people painted in silver and gold and all that kind of stuff too that julie was talking about it felt like very jesus christ superstar a little bit too to me like that kind of like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're like out in the desert with like strange people dancing in weird outfits and like yeah. holding poses for a while. Like, so everything does kind of look like a painting. Um, but we get the mistress out there and the butler and servants are all there with him. Um, he wants his dad mm-hmm. to return to like a normal forum. He's like, can we, like, you know, he's really aghast to what's happening. They tell him uh, he is not a doppelganger. He is, in fact, the younger brother of. Uh, Genzaburo and that he went to they sent him to the circus when he was young and then to go to Tokyo to be a surgeon specifically so he could come back and help his dad in this laboratory of madness yeah uh, and everything may have been on board with at some point but he's certainly not on board with it right now yeah and everything about his life he realized was actually 100% staged so the people he met the songs he heard Everything about around him was all in service to get him back to this island. So even the idea he had to go to this island was because those songs were were sent to him that way as a message, basically. It's like he deciphered the code just exactly how they wanted him to, to lure him back to the island. Right. So his whole life, he's like, was everything like it's I was manipulated you know, to, to come back to do this. Um, so he sneaks out though. And he like is looking for answers and, and is exploring the Island on his own as he breaks away from this. Cause like everyone else is kind of lured into like the ceremony and the madness of it all. Um, and he finds the pretty young girl, ugly man, um, who's actually 
uh, yes, the, he's and he forces he wants to have them split because he wants he's fallen in love with the beautiful maiden, even though she has this other side. The so we, side, we yeah. have it's time to uh, to split those puppies in half, which they do, and then he immediately gets together with Hideko, who is the girl half, um, and they go to meet her mother in a cave where she is living looks like she's been living for quite some time looks like she's quite insane and uh and then all of a sudden like we have a, like a wedding flashback of everything that's happened and so uh we are revealed that uh actually Hideko and Hitomi are brother and sister that's uh, <laughs> where that happens your sister and your brother you are <laughs> siblings uh. Uh, oh, uh, no. um so yeah as as you do and of course they're the only two that really understand each other and like we're drawn to each other and i feel like that was also kind of orchestrated too in its own way um to bring him out there and i think the father probably was like he's that much far gone that that was party part of his like crazy plan too and um, his big plan is what he had found he had been married to her had found her in the arms of another man and it's pregnant by another man so he brings them both to the cave and chains them up uh and no and just leaves them there and is gonna not bring them food or water or anything and so her lover ends up dying and she's in her arms holding him for days after he's dead and then he starts getting Bugs crawling all over him, which is terrible. <laughs> and then it's worse Julia's because face, and they are big looking like crabby disgusting. spider things. They are yeah. disgusting. Yeah, because at first it's just like bugs, buggy bugs. And you're like, that's pretty bad. But then it's just like these little crazy crabs. And you're like, oh, that's kind of even worse. Yeah, and, and they're then, just eating his flesh and, and she's starving. And the comes down and it's like, hey, why don't you uh, eat the crabs that are eating the flesh of your dead lover? And she does and like crunches them all up and like close-ups of crab crunching and bleh, bleh. You know, soft shell crab, whatever. Um, so she's just enjoying her meal. It is pretty bad. It's pretty brutal. But she, her will is her biggest will is she wants to see her children again. And she wants to be able to get out of that cave. And he's not giving her any other ways out. She's still chained up down there and stuck in there. So the only thing she has is this, this is her meal. Um, and so she subsists on this for years basically she's stuck down in this um cave by the ocean um and just eats and eats and eats all these little bugs and things and just lives in the dark um it's a miracle that she's even survived this long honestly but it's the will of wanting to see her family again and um you know yeah she's just yeah we also find out that uh, he had put out a casting call for girls and then had just kidnapped the entire bunch of girls. And those are the people that are living on his island and are also being experimented on. Um, so it's just, it's all starting to get real uncomfortable. And but he had a henchman. So the main, one yeah. of the main servants is the henchman who helped him do all of this because the dad never left the island. Like he was at the island the whole time um, doing all this stuff. So he had to send people over to like, do all the dirty work for him. So he had all these people who were laying down the life, you know, for Hitomi and like making, you know, all this stuff happen um, and luring him here and luring all the girls there and, and bringing all the people um, all in service because he was mad about his wife. Uh, this is all a man like scorned one of those, like yeah. usually a woman scorned story, but this is like all man scorned, like revenge um, this whole time. 
Uh, we also find out that this infamous manservant that had been a little bit uh, dodgy is actually a private investigator pretending to be a manservant because he had been on this trail this whole time. He, yeah, the new manservant, not the old one who's been getting all the girls, the new guy. Yeah. yeah. The new one. Um, and does a move, I, I, he just like puts himself inside of a chair to listen to a conversation. I'm like, I don't, I mean, behind a chair, yes, but like actually physically inside the chair. Uh, I kind of like it. Oh, what? To, well, that was the other guy. That was the the evil servant guy, right? Who was like inside the chair, right? Who like was spying and like was touching what's her face like through the chair. And like, like it was very, it was a very odd, like, oh my God, this is a very weird reveal <laughs> of how he could write those, those letters. So this is how they got the information to write those like red, red letter letters um, and all the information that they were doing. And we also get the sequence of seeing like how they did the poison um, and how they actually sent a string down through the rafters into the mouth of um, of Chirko and But we really were trying to get Hitomi. And he moved his head. And it could have been him who died right then. But it was supposed to be him, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. Uh, I wonder who the first person was to come up with that. Because it really is brilliant. Uh, I've only ever seen that in Gross Point Blank. So that was, I was like, oh, okay. Like I've seen it before. But it's really, I hope it was very old. I hope that somebody, like somebody was using the noodle that day. And been like, you know, I got an idea. Uh, but Porchioka was not actually the person who was being targeted. But sadly, she was killed. Yeah. Um, so there's just getting into this kind of crazy uh the dad wants to build his dr his real dream is he wants to build a, a huge statue of a horse-headed god uh his 30-year dream living a human in flesh to build it they said there uh, he said but it's, there's never a greater challenge for a medical graduate like this is the ultimate right you're like, it's like don't you want to be a part of my weird frankenstein fever dream like don't that this is like what I've sent you to get trained for. Is that not what you want now? It's like, no, dad, like I don't want to follow in your footsteps and build a flesh uh, uh statue. No, thank you. Like it's like that was the most out of left field moment. I was like, oh, okay. This is when you're truly like mad, right? Like this is like Yeah. Who you know, you ask somebody what their dream is. I you know, they think I wanna I wanna be famous, I wanna I wanna be rich, like I wanna build a horse headed god out of human flesh, living human flesh if possible goodness so it's all starting to go bad and it's all turning into this very incestuous craziness because uh we turned out that dad has the hidden bomb uh but the brother and sister are like that's okay though because we want to we want to be together we've decided like we want to die together that's our that's our wish yeah so they're gonna romeo and juliet their way out of this basically <laughs> they're just like well we're star-crossed we love each other and we're, we're ready to get out of here so uh Jagro, who's the dad like runs to like his little bomb switch and he and um, his, his wife basically have like kind of a weird, like, she's like, I still love you though. Like very like Stockholm no. syndrome, like moment where she's like, okay, I'm out of the cave now. And the only thing I can tell you is that I actually love you. And I, she asked for forgiveness basically for the affair that set this all in motion. Um, but it's like, if, if that's all it took, <laughs> I think you dodged a bigger bullet than you think. Maybe. I don't know. It's just, it's all bad. Uh, but our poor, your, your, our friend, uh, Jagoro does end up dead. Sadly, he, he is not uh, able to, to survive and, and see his dream of the horse headed God come to fruition. But we do have our, our, our brother, sister, lover team blown to bits uh, in this incredibly mind blowing firework decapitated head ending which i was like what is happening but they're still talking even though they're dead 
They're like screaming for their mom. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm dying. Would not have seen this coming from the beginning of the movie. If you told me that we were going to end this movie with a fireworks show of like a head bobbing around, decapitated, still trying to talk, and like limbs and body parts just flying around in the midst of like a fireworks show. Couldn't have told me that. Nah, not me, not us. Who'd have thought? That's one of the craziest endings. I mean, wow. This movie was insane. It was so much more insane. Like I was hoping it would be insane and it was like more insane than I thought it would be. And then I was like, oh, well, that's that's always a pleasant surprise, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I just I just wrote like mother in exclamation mark. So I was like, is this like some weird origin story, like mother kind of thing where it's like it has a totally different meaning and I've just missed all of it. Like, is this like some sort of like religious overtone or some other like deeper older story of just like man's manipulation with with earth or like you know the the Mm. the god figures you know kind of like moment and like us trying to make a world where we think we're making something beautiful and it's really actually something that's quite deformed and not um and not uh really uh and, and something that's edifying or, or enlightening or anything like that. So anyway, I had lots of questions, but also like I giggled my la- my head off at that fireworks sequence of like yeah, really, really limbs spectacular. And heads and body parts. Oh my. Yay. Yeah. Uh, what what is the holding hands? Sorry. That was the other thing. The two of the hands were holding hands in the, in the, yeah, the, the lovers have their hands still. So we're holding, even though they had no bodies attached to them. So uh, well, I thought this movie was was a lot of fun, so I'm excited that we got to talk about it, and uh, I will talk about some gore factor with you. Yes, let's uh, do it. One, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. Five, is run for the barf bag. We give this movie a four and a half. So we have some, you know, women with sheep coming out of them. We have lots of people kind of sewn together. We have decapitated heads, even though they're in a pretty fireworks show, still decapitated heads. Yeah, this is a lot. And we only didn't give it a full five just because it's still art housey. So it's like that that beautiful blood that is not quite real blood, but also like it's still more like beautiful than like brutal. And because after last week of Frontiers 2, which was like, yeah. I think a five plus, uh, really, uh, this is a 4.5 for us. Um, let's do a little bit of movie ratings. How about that? Okay. Um, Chainsaws, one if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three, seen worse, seen better, four, not too shabby, and five, fantastagorical. Uh, I give this movie a four. It's creepy, weird, wonderful. Um, yeah, it's it's very strange. And I was also very hot for that strange old creepy dad guy. Oh, Jigoro, on a rock. Uh, I gave this movie a four and a half because I thought it was like what I wanted from this movie and more, you know, because I, I, I love, I want to watch as much foreign. I don't feel like I watch enough for foreign horror. So like, this is something and, and every country does something differently. And this is something that was so unexpected and I had no idea what was coming at any turn. And like, once they got to the Island, I was like, Oh, okay. Like I thought this movie was one thing is actually this whole other thing. That's way crazier than I thought it was going to be, which is always fun when that happens in a movie. Yeah. So the question is, how do you survive this movie? Because it just seems like you have to go against your instincts, right? Because he has this song luring him. He's confused. He doesn't know where he's going. But when I think when you find out that there's a dead version of you where you're headed, probably not not go there. Maybe, you know, instead of like pretending to be a dead guy and like, you know, putting yourself in that family, maybe like go to the police. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and find out, maybe try to find out a little bit more about yourself. Or if you're seeing a bitch wearing it, looks like your face. 
uh, maybe go check out where that's at. I think I would go maybe in some different directions, mm-hmm. you know, but I get he was on the lamb from the what he thought was an insane asylum, which we find out later was a setup. So it is confusing, disorienting, and it's very hard when things are set up for you, for you to fall into continual traps, for you to get out of them. So this is a very difficult one to escape, I think. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, but we will, you know, we, we that's part of our job here at Horror Movie Star. Like I just, is to give you tips and, and, and let you know the best way to, to, you know, and sometimes odds are, odds are high against you, you know, sometimes, but if you want to, if you, if you're dying with your lover in a fireworks show, but you're still holding hands is, you know, it's not so that's bad. That's a win. That's a win yeah. at the end of the day, right? <laughs> forever together, together, forever and never two part, except for our bodies. That's right. Okay. So um, <laughs> you guys, we'll see you guys next week. Yes. Next week we're going to be taking on a horror anthology that's quite recent, uh, has some, a piece uh, directed by someone we might know named Joe Dante, someone we might know named Mick Garris. So those names might intrigue you. The film is called Nightmare Cinema. We're really excited to take it on and talk about it. We hope that you'll talk to us about Horrors of Malformed Men. Uh, if you watch it and what you think about it, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are uh, we have a Patreon, and we would love to have you join. If you'd like to subscribe, we send out little bonus things every, every couple of weeks, and we send out interviews and all sorts of na- newsletters and exciting things. We also have a Teespring store if you're interested in repping us on your shirt or on your jacket or... Put us on your body. Yeah. Oh, my. Terry. Goodness. Uh, We will see you next week. We are very excited to talk to you about Nightmare Cinema. Bum, bum, bum. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.